Well, what's going on, guys? It's Ty from BreakerCulture.com. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to Breaker Culture Weekly. Uh, we really enjoy doing this podcast, and we're glad that the feedback has been good. It sounds like you enjoyed the conversation, enjoyed some of the insight, and we really do uh, appreciate that feedback. One of the big things that folks have been telling us is that you got to improve the audio, uh, and so we have invested in improving our audio. And starting next week, we both have a nice new setup that I think you'll appreciate and it will uh, increase the quality and hopefully increase the, uh, the ability for you to listen in different ways. So uh, great, great feedback. Thanks so much for doing that. Hit us up on Twitter at BreakerCulture or email me at Ty at BreakerCulture.com. We also love your ideas for topics. And if you're interested in being interviewed, let us know. For this week, the first 25 minutes are covering two topics, the national and 2018 Tops Chrome. We put a lot of time into these two topics because... They're kind of the relevant topics for the last week, and we wanted to really break down those two and give you some good insight. The second half, I think, is going to be a little bit more interesting. If you want, if you like fast-moving conversation, we cover a lot of things from Boston versus New York to podcasts we like to TV shows that our wives and us are listening to or watching uh, to players that we think you should keep an eye on. Um, so I think you're going to like the uh, the flow of the second half. Uh, so if you can hang around, or if you want to skip to that, if you if you're tired of listening to things about the national 2018 tops chrome i totally get it but either way thanks so much for participating we really do appreciate um, your following enjoy the podcast have a great week good morning shani good morning tyler how are you i'm doing well man how you doing I can't complain. Welcome back. Uh, I'm not sure I want to be back, but I appreciate it. <laughs> nice. You uh, you got back on Saturday, right, from Cleveland? Were you there That's two right. weeks at the mesh? Cool. Yeah, I was in Cleveland from Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, got there Wednesday evening, hung out with my sisters. And uh, then two full days, got there uh, at the a little bit before they opened the doors. And thank you so much for connecting me with, um, your friend, Marcel, um, baby. Yeah. Yeah. What a good guy. Wow. Uh, I couldn't thank him enough and I already yeah. sent him a message afterward, but yeah. So full day, Thursday, full day, Friday, and then Saturday morning had breakfast with my sisters and took off to come back to Pittsburgh. And here you are. And here, here we are. We are. That's right. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to break down the national ad nauseum, but what, what I was hearing was, craziness uh, obviously there's some stuff about someone pulling mickey mantle it's all over espn but initial reaction compared to the last national you went to more so, crazy definitely um there was a lot more like kind of group and crowd participation from a number of different vendors including from you know the corporate level down to uh different you know aspects of the show you know pristine auctions isn't exactly uh, cardboard, um, they're more memorabilia, but they did a good job as well getting people involved. And you could hear, even though the con- convention floor is huge, you were able to hear a lot of the excitement from wherever you happen to be on the convention floor, hmm. which I don't know what the acoustics are in Chicago or different places, but I felt like you couldn't hear that in the past. Or maybe it is, as you put it, just a new phenomenon, and they really just did a better job this year of really getting folks excited. Yeah. 
yeah, know what I should great. add? I think there probably were a significantly higher number of kids this year, which is great. That is awesome. That is so yeah. good to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we were just talking earlier this week about the, uh, the release of archives and Sandlot and how our kids are kind of excited about it. And, you know, obviously we're excited about the Sandlot autographs, but sure. Engaging the kids, baby. I mean, that's what it's all about. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really good to hear. That's really good right. to hear. Um, interesting. So uh, for those that don't know, just FYI, uh, someone did pull the Mickey Mantle, right? And it was greater than nine, right? PSA nine. Uh, and it was out of a vintage, a vintage break, uh, with vintage breaks and the guy paid 600 bucks and pulled it. And I think what well, he was offered like 50,000 bucks on the spot for it is what I was reading. That's that's, and I was about a hundred feet away and it was the loudest man cheer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it just stopped, literally stopped the entire convention floor in its tracks. And everybody looked up for a moment to say, what just happened? Wow. That is awesome. And then it, and it was also really cool. To, it, 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 initially you didn't really know what it was. Some people started walking towards the screen. I just stayed put, but you could see the kind of, the news start to spread across the, you know, the the floor and people, oh, it was a male. It was a male. 55. Oh, wow. 55. Greater than nine. Whoa, are you serious? Nine. He was already offered 50K in cash. <laughs> and it just, it was really such a cool thing. And, and it just infected the, the show. That's funny. Well, you, the cool thing about that is as you read the articles, and it's, I mean, it's all over the news, not ESPN. I just Googled it. It's basically every news source pr- any any source that covers sports has thrown this this uh, story out there, and a right. lot of them are kind of I- explaining the art of breaking and what breaking is in the sports card hobby, which is kind of fun because obviously it's educating a whole new uh, right crop of of random uh, random collectors and sports fans and, and this idea of breaking. So fun stuff, and the card does look sweet. <laughs> it's a beautiful looking card. Oh my God! For a fifty-five, it's it it really does look perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I can only give my perspective from being back here. You know, I obviously seeing the social frenzy of the national, and also seeing the lack of volume and lack of buyers for products here. Right. Give Give me the high. Let's go. Ahead, let's start with the highs. Give me the highs of of the conference this year. So I would say the highs and the lows. Um, as I was giving this a little bit of deeper thought, um, are are generalizable in the sense that, you know, I've only been to one other national. This is my second. Um, And and these are feelings I came away with, but maybe with some slight nuances. But the highs, just the general atmosphere, as you just mentioned, you heard that it was a little crazier. It was. Um, I felt just that buzz from being in a space with all these other collectors. I, let me ask you a question. I'll continue with the highs and lows, but in, in your community, where you live, where you exist on a daily basis, how many hobby friends do you have that you really interact with? Maybe five, five in KC. That's, I mean, I know that's yeah, that's great. I mean, I I'm, I'm envious to some degree. That's five more than I have. Um, you're pretty much it for me. I have one other guy who oddly happens to also be in Kansas city. Um, that are, you know, the two of you are my hobby buddies that I talk to that if I hit something huge, you're the ones I'm calling. So to be 
somewhere, wherever that somewhere is, in a space that's so full of people that are as into the hobby, where you can get into a conversation and have shared, you know, language and understanding of each other. That's in and of itself, the first, second and third reason to go to a national. And I was reminded of that feeling so quickly. And it's such a cool experience. So that's, that's the biggest high. Um, reconnecting with a lot of those people that uh, I, I only see at a national, maybe mm-hmm. in, in many cases I, I've never met, but I've seen online at noon breaks or I've bought from through eBay, but never even shared anything but a, but a message in, in email. Um, and then obviously access, availability, everything you're interested in in the hobby is there at your fingertips for four days. And it's hard to beat. It, it, it is. It's such a great experience. I, I, I can't recommend the experience to a hobbyist more. Um, if you haven't done it and, and it's, a, it's something you can pull off, I highly recommend it. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, I, I obviously I, I've lived in Cleveland, so I, I, I have a special spot in my heart for Cleveland. And I think it's it's great that they continue to rotate into Cleveland. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long they'll be rotating in Chicago. I don't know if you saw the news this week, but this weekend there's been like 60 shootings in uh, Chicago this weekend alone. So it's pretty crazy. But beside the point, uh, great spot. You agree? Did you get some good food? Did you like Cleveland? So I like Cleveland. I don't love the location of the IX Center. The IX Center floor when you're in there is good. But – like I said, the location and when you're parking and walking up to that building, you feel like it's just out of the 60s. That place does, just doesn't look like it's been updated since it was built. Um, but I'm sure the National and the organizers of the National um, got a pretty good deal. Uh, it looks yep. to me like the kind of space that doesn't get the amount of use that it needs to keep its doors open. So I don't begrudge them for going with a place like that. I get it. The profit margins, generally speaking, in this hobby aren't great enough to justify going to some highfalutin middle of downtown kind of convention center. So it's okay. Getting there was easy. It was an opposite commute against Cleveland traffic and parking was easy and inexpensive. So you really can't complain just because the building was ugly. You're in, you're not staring at the building all day. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, even in Chicago, right. I mean, you, you land and you're within five minutes basically of the convention, yep. you know, and it's, it's almost this, I mean, you're what, 15 minutes away in Cleveland. Uh, you, or no, it's about 10 minutes away. It's, you're really close. It's a you mean from thing. the airport to the from, space? from the airport. Yep. Yep. And not even you're right. It's, it's, it's almost the same as uh, Chicago. It's right around the corner. Yeah. I mean, it's, people don't realize like, the convenience of that is worth a lot. Yeah. Of course, getting oh, in the city is nice. That's fun being able to go spend time and immerse yourself in the city, but the convenience of having it right there by the airport and being away from the traffic and the hustle and bustle of the city is really, really nice. So it is. And I will say you made a comment about Chicago and I don't mean to disparage Chicago, but it's not news to anybody. It's sad that there are increasing shootings and it's not getting any better. Um, but it, it is a reality. Uh, I imagine though, it probably doesn't affect, and I hope it doesn't affect the national. I think uh, 
the Chicago setup is just, as you already said, it's so convenient. You are close enough to Chicago to go experience what is, I think is one of the best cities in the country. Sure. And the, the, the unfortunate violence, I think, is look, it, it's, it's mostly south of the city and where the convention takes place actually outside of Chicago is really in an, an entirely different direction that it shouldn't affect things too much. But who knows? It may be something that they consider and, you know, maybe just I'm sure there are cities out there and both collectors and dealers from other cities out there that have been begging the national to consider where they're from to come and host someday. So whether or not that happens is, is also a different conversation. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point. Like I, I really do wonder if there are a few cities that have said, Hey, I we really want you to come here. I mean, it ain't, it ain't like the, the Amazon second headquarters. I can tell you that where <laughs> folks yeah, are lining right. up to put a proposal together, but Hey, no, uh... but at the same time, it, it is a big one. It's not, it's not small. They eat up a whole bunch of hotels for four days and they, all of them go out and eat. And, uh, you know, the question is how many cities out there are actually aware. I'm sure there's an employee in every large city that's tasked with, looking for these types of things to bring in but to what extent do these folks in that four-year cycle get through the list and actually find the national who knows so yeah if you're a collector and you're in a city that could potentially handle this large of a convention don't assume anything go to your city uh you know for employees and find that person and tell them to reach out to the national and bring it to your town <laughs> that's right guys become advocates for this this is what we really need exactly. diversity <laughs> you know i can i can only think of two or three cities that i i would really want it in my first would probably be kansas city because i live here but second denver maybe somewhere in florida i mean i know orlando supports conventions pretty well but i mean everyone kind of gets tired of eating that Donald Duck's, Duck's hamburger joint and all that craziness <laughs> for, for $25 for right. $25 a hamburger. <laughs> I, the only thing I would disagree with on that, and I haven't given it much thought as far as the cities I would like to see it in other than Pittsburgh, obviously, but Orlando in August, uh, it might not be more uncomfortable anywhere else in the world. I don't know. Have you been down there in August? I used to live in Florida, okay. um, a couple hours south of Orlando and Sarasota, actually on Siesta Key, uh, where they're one of the finest beaches in the country. Um, you know, they, it's just extremely humid. That's all. Huh. Um, I, I guess my perspective skewed because I live in one of the more humid cities in, in America right here in Kansas City. Oh, I didn't City. know that about Kansas City. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, we get we get pretty hot. We, and this is the, actually the third hottest summer on record in terms of number of days over 90 degrees wow so um Dangerous. in fact it's I mean, 10 I'm degrees sure you're telling your sorry i was just gonna say it's 10 degrees warmer right now in kansas city than it is in orlando are you wow i would yeah. have never guessed yeah so I but yeah i, I get diligent it. with your i imagine you're diligent with your kids about staying hydrated Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this though. I'm looking at the humidity. It's about 20% higher in Florida. So you're right there. I mean, I, I obviously you're next to an ocean generating lots of moisture. So right. 
Uh, anyway, well, that, as far as be that as it may, that's a uh, that's a good reason to stay inside at the convention. If you go <laughs> there, so. you go. There you go. Way to turn it to a positive. So um, I will finish the what we originally brought up this topic to be, which are just a quick review of highs and lows. The last couple of notes I have as far as lows, um, you know, it can be a funky experience trading and selling with dealers. The I don't want to say that there's an average personality across all dealers, but whenever you're engaging in something where somebody wants to quote unquote win and get the better side of the deal, you know, you kind of have to experience that, you know, someone might be disparaging your cards and telling you they're not as nice or not as valuable as you thought. Who was the top dealer? Give give me a name. Top dealer you, you dealt with. As far as the one that, I had a a good experience with. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so let me first say, I didn't do much. I walked around and looked, saw a card or two in bottom. I sold one lot of cards to what happened to be my local shop guy in Pittsburgh, and I just always told him he would get first crack, and if he wanted it, he could take it. Um, so I'll give that shout out to him, since he really did me solid, and I had basically made enough money to fuel what i needed to do at the show and that's sports card junction out of pittsburgh chad and his father are the proprietors and uh yeah it was a good experience basically just handing off the cards telling him what i wanted he took a rifle through and handed me the cash you can't really get that too many places but we have a history so you know there is that I just wanted to make that comment that for the person that's never experienced this, the first time they walk up to a dealer and say, Hey, are you trading or buying? And they say, sure. What do you have? And you hand over your cards. Don't be shocked. If you hear maybe a comment or two that doesn't really feel great. And that's, that's a bit of a low for me when someone's making disparaging comments about somebody else's cards that they might have, you know, some emotional investment in, especially if it's a younger person. Yeah, well, that is a good point, though. I mean, you are quickly thrown into the reality of the business side of sports cards at the National. You know, emotion, you get it, right? There's a ton of emotion. But the second you start dealing with any of these uh, shops and dealers, like, it is all business. (laughs) It's all business. And these guys know, most of these guys know uh, pricing inside and out. So I, I get it. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head, and and that's just it. And so I would just caution anybody that's going in: don't hold this, don't use this to hold you back. Go, it's a great experience, but try your best to be free of emotion if you're going to trade or sell. And then the other part is if you're a father, and your kids are going, and you're going to give them the opportunity to have that experience, at least for the initial one or two experiences as they're you know interacting with dealers be there with them help them understand don't don't you know put them in a situation where they could be emotionally scarred (laughs) yeah there you go because that could because that could happen yeah yeah well and again my my experience is somewhat limited to uh do a couple of them and my last one was in chicago Uh, but i felt like for the most part with kids dealers did a pretty good job of at least tempering some of their <laughs> their real thoughts about the cards <laughs> right i think you're well, probably right 
a lot of uh, a lot of free packs are given out, you know, to kids walking around, and, and I appreciate that. And you've already you've already mentioned that there was a ton more kids this year, so I, I, that that's what we need, right? That's what we need. Uh, we need we need to see our, our kids kind of ushered into this hobby and creates a lot more excitement for all of us yep. as dads, no doubt. But anyway, national. Let's close the book on that. Thanks so much. I know you lined up some pretty good interviews over the next few months with uh, some of the top breakers in the industry. I'm excited to schedule those out. So thanks for doing that, man. Great job. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm excited as well. Yeah. Well, so while you were doing all that, I was back here uh, cracking through about $5,000 in Topps Chrome Baseball. Uh, And I put an article was out released last night. I wrote up all my thoughts on the product kind of, from beginning to end, what the breaking experience was like, what product I would recommend in terms of retail hobby, which box to get. Uh, and if you don't have time to read it, I would highly recommend that you, if you're going to invest into a case, instead of spending money on a hobby case, which is about a thousand bucks now, or 14, 1500 bucks for a jumbo, go buy yourself three or four cases of blaster boxes. That is where the value is. And, and it's not Ooh, even close. Interesting. Yeah, man. really. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, f- first off, stay away from the, from jumbo cases. Like I have never been so frustrated and turned off by jumbo cases in my life. I mean, they wow. jam packed these jumbo cases with filler autos, and and you'll oh, yeah, of course you'll really? get you'll probably get a big name base auto or uh, refractor auto. You'll probably get two or three colored autos in there. Some cases have had four or five. But I mean, they just jam the filler guys in there. And it's just, I mean, I, and I've watched no less than 10, 15 jumbo cases broken. And I broke two myself. It's junk. Don't spend your money there. Hobby case is okay. But when you start factoring in the value of sepia, and if you're, if you're grabbing the rack packs, the pink refractors and retail, I mean, it's hard to beat. It's just really hard to beat. So, uh, but I say all wow. that, there, there's... There was just a, a lack of volume. And if you go on eBay now, you'll be surprised. You'll type in, I mean, even like a random purple refractor, you know, numbered to, uh, the, you know, the purple's numbered to 299. You'll go look for a random guy and there's not even any listed. It's just so well, unusual because, I mean, I get it. A lot of collectors are maybe at the convention, but people, do people care about this product? What do you think? <laughs> well, you took the words out of my mouth. I think the fact that the national was happening and that means a couple of things. Not only are these folks at the convention, which means that the biggest dealers out there like a Burbank or uh, I, there's no need to list them. I think you know what I'm talking about. So they're not listing anything. And those are the folks that are responsible for listing at least 50% of those cards before anybody else is even getting it done because they crack those cases quickly and get them up as quickly as possible. Brent and Becca, I don't even know if his stuff is up there yet. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah. Okay, so he's smart. Um, that, first of all, I think as far as people that went to the convention, not as dealers, but you know, guys like me, they're, they're taking their stuff with them to hopefully make a deal or two. Um, so that's, you know, at least another small percentage. Uh, I, I do think that I, I kind of have heard something similar to what you mentioned, that the collation and 
the value is pretty low, maybe because the production is higher, it's thinned out the good stuff. Um, I can honestly say in a couple of boxes, hobby, and then a bunch of retail, I've only pulled one base and Dahar and one base for Dugo and, um, you know, stuff. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's thin. Um, but that said, I don't think it discounts for a moment your point that with the value being lower, that may be discouraging enough for a number of people to just say, oh, screw it. I'm not going to open it anymore, and I'm just going to put this stuff away. Yeah, well, so, I mean, agreed. I do agree. But here's the reality, and I, and I put this in the article. The reality of Topps Chrome is that, okay, it, it is obviously – it is. It's some people would say it's the true rookie. Uh, I would I would probably agree. It's kind of the rookie I seek out. The first card I seek out is the Bowman first. But right. when you and I compared from 2016 to 17, I took the top couple players. I took the average base set, the average master set, the average overall rookie auto, and I compared the prices between Bowman and Tops. Significantly uh, more value with Tops. I mean, with Bowman. Excuse me. About oh, yeah. 20 twenty percent more valuable uh, with in Bowman. I Chrome. thought it would be higher. I it, yeah, it would be so higher. it's funny. It's it's on average it's about twenty percent. The top names go between twenty five and thirty percent higher. Um, the overall rookie auto is somewhere around fifteen percent. Uh, so there's value, uh, but there's there's also a ton of volume with Topps Chrome. In addition, master sets are significantly more valuable in Topps Chrome. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a and funky, that does make sense. Yeah, and it's a funky parallel and and again it depends on I guess where the timing of the release and Tops Chrome tends to throw a bunch of filler autos in like we've seen this year. Um and so that drags down auto, but it's not right. as bad as people think. And it, it's going to be interesting for us to see kind of what happens over the next couple of weeks. I mean, I know Archives comes out on the 15th and um so be it. But I mean, there, this is a great set of rookies. The cards are oh, outstanding. Yeah. I think the cards are beautiful. Like oh, I really so do. I. I, I agree. I mean, the, the colored refractors are so awesome this year, uh, especially the retail ones. The CP and pink are just <laughs> is awesome. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially when you can go in and grab retail boxes for 20 bucks and it, it's probably the best way for you to invest in the product. Like it's, you don't find it very often. So I don't know, kind of disappointed to see the lack of a hobby love for tops Chrome, but oh well. I do. I do think it's going to pick up. Um, I, I wonder if the effect of the convention is just more significant than we realize. Uh, I also wonder to what extent other sports are affecting it. You know, we now are a couple of products into the football year. And that's picking up. And I believe that Elements happen to be a pretty solid product, at least the buzz from the convention floor seemed to be that it was really a solid product. And um, for Breakers, I heard quite a few comments that you know, they really seem to be moving it uh, with some ease. Um, I can say, looking for my guys, I always got to make some type of comment about Pittsburgh, looking for the, the Steelers rookies. Uh, there have been a number of listings with what I would call a pretty quick turnaround, being that Elements came out around the same time as Chrome, but without even a retail presence. Mm. So 
that might speak to some of that. And then even basketball, Noir came out, this rookie class. Um, and then there's that whole phenomenon of these rapper redemption content right? that exists out of the national where I think that you do have a number of folks that really kind of clamor, whether they're at the national buying stuff to get those packs and they list those things first because they know it's a unique thing from the national. And then, so even guys that didn't go to the national sitting at home doing searching, whatever searches they do on eBay, looking for stuff that are from the national that only can, you know, come from the national. Um, and that, that for them, the only way they can get it is, you know, by being diligent about looking on eBay quickly. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I kind of think it makes sense. Needless to say, based on what you just explained, it probably does speak to the fact that Chrome is going to have a bit of a down year if you're comparing it to years past. And that's unfortunate with such a great rookie class and such a beautiful card. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, the thing is the rookies, the top rookies, like, you, you know, the Andy Jars, the Glade, the Tauruses, the, obviously the Otanis, uh, I'd even throw right. Reese Hoskins in there and maybe even um, Ozzy Albies, like those five guys, they, they are, they are carrying the product in terms of average sales price. I mean, they're doing right. really well. They're doing really well, which because there's, 65 other crap autos in there uh i think there's a massive probably bigger than usual delta between top autos and the rest of the class so that's interesting yeah so i would throw two more names in there by the way akuna robles yeah robles doesn't sell that well surprisingly i think that's because everyone wants I mean, there's four rookies in the Philly Phillies right now with Crawford and Williams and everybody wants Soto. So, right. Well, Robles is a national, right? Oh, hello. Yeah, you're right. But it doesn't matter. I think your point is still the same and it's still correct. You have three solid guys from New York, three solid guys from Atlanta, and then throw in Reese Hoskins, even though Robles, I think, is a pretty solid guy and is going to have a nice career. If you're not a Nationals fan, you're probably not looking for his stuff. True. True. So. Yeah, I would agree. Well, and there's you know, the conversation going on about Soto, right? And some different forms. Right. You know, I, I inside the hobby, folks are thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a – why is he not in Chrome? And I can't – we can't wait for his cards to come out. Like, is that is that true? Like, do, is there going to be enough buzz about him? He's not in a massive market. Do we Are we overhyping – Juan Soto right now. Uh, Very possible. So, I mean, speaking of that, is the word, did you pick up anything in terms of him being in archives? You know what? I didn't and partially just completely forgot. The other is, even though archives was being kind of discussed a bit on the convention floor, so to speak, it was much more about Sandlot than it was about actual baseball. Okay. Interesting. The focus, yeah, the focus was all about you're killing me, Smalls. Those t-shirts were everywhere, <laughs> and uh, from the the stage, from the main stage, the GTS guys were talking about Sandlot more so. Um, I, you know, nice. I'm sure in other smaller circles there was discussions about archives that I just wasn't privy to. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, I, I didn't hear much else. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, well. Speaking of Chrome, real quick, as I know we're going to move on, but as we were talking about Chrome, I opened a few packs from 
one of those larger like mega blasters from Walmart that has the uh, exclusive X Fractor cards. You get ten oh, yeah. X Factors along with ten packs. Forty bucks, right? Thirty nine ninety nine. Is that correct? Right? Yeah. Nothing How- huge. Um, I got a few rookies out of the X Factors. I happen to like Max Freed out of Atlanta. Um, Ender and Ciarte Green, I believe you just mentioned the greens are exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I got a an auto Anthony Santander outfielder out of Baltimore. Mm, I assume one. I assume that's is that one of the filler autos. <laughs> uh, I would put him kind of at you know, if there's five tiers, I'd put him at tier four. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me being nice to you. <laughs> you can spare my feelings. It's okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but um, I still have about eight packs to open. So, got some nice. Uh, just yeah. covering back on what you were mentioning about Robles. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to put together this you know just a pricing ladder for Chrome Baseball. I, I need a couple more days to get enough data for it, but I think Robles is going to be somewhere between six and ten. So get out of here. Just perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again. He's the, he's on the Nationals. Even Bryce Harper doesn't sell as well as I think he should. Although he's having a terrible year, but right. Uh, well, then that's an auto I hold on to because it'll definitely go up in my opinion. Well, shoot. I mean, what him and Robo? I mean, him and Soto are both nineteen, right? First right. and second round picks. I mean, goodness, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. So looks like Otani extractors, averaging between sixty and seventy bucks. So that's, okay. that's a, it's a pretty nice exclusive. Yeah. But is that the more expensive? Okay, yeah. We can move on. There was well, a lot to talk that, about with Chrome. Yeah, that's the X-Factor that you're you're pulling out of your box now. So, sure. Interesting, yeah. It's, what it's I was going to ask is simply, I assume the X-Factors are selling for a bit more than the pinks and the sepias, or is, the, is there – what's the average price for a pink or a sepia of Otani? Yeah, so pink or sepia is going to get you around 30, 35. So, okay. yeah, I think uh, I think X Factors are 40% higher. It makes sense. I mean, it's a bit more expensive to buy one of these Mega Blasters, and that's the only place you're going to get the X Factors. And typically, what I've seen at Walmart is they have four or five of them. So, there's not yep. a ton of them out there. Um, yeah, good point. So, it'll be tough. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's tie the knot on Chrome. Let me, uh, take a quick second and thank our sponsors and let's pick it back up. Sounds good. All right. Are you tired of looking for hobby boxes from the same old retailer? going to those same couple places every single time and thinking, man, it'd be nice to switch it up a little bit and try something else. Well, if you haven't tried Legacy Sports Cards, uh, they're out of Las Vegas. They're a group of guys that I've grown to, to really, really appreciate over the last five years. I know the owner, Marcel, really, really well. Super upstanding, respectable guy. Uh, go give them your business. Go give them a try. They, they have some of the best wax prices in the industry. If you check out Breaker Culture and you look at any of the products and it shows real-time pricing, Legacy Sports Cards is almost always near the top in terms of best case um, or best hobby box pricing uh, around. Um, service is outstanding. 
The guys will always take care of you. I cannot recommend Legacy Sports Cards uh, enough. Go to LegacySportsCards.com. You'll find them there. You'll find them on eBay. Um, and you might even find them hanging around Beckett Marketplace as well, too. They have tons and tons of singles. So give them a try, guys. We appreciate their sponsorship and hope you uh, find some time to go give them some of your business. Back to the show. Tyler. Were you up late last night? I think you were, right? We were texting. I'm all, I'm always up late. <laughs> Did you happen to see the Yankees <laughs> Red Sox game? It you know what it was on in the background, but I didn't really pay it to any attention to it at all. Okay. I mean, obviously it's a any baseball fan would know like last night's Yankees Yankees were just getting crushed this whole series. Go up 4 to 1 yesterday. Bottom of the ninth. Boston pulls off a three-run ninth inning off of a uh, Andujar throwing air, basically, that, that scored the tying run. They go in extra innings, and Red Sox walk off and win the game. Uh, so I wake up this morning. I go to ESPN, like I normally do, and the headline is, Red Sox finish dramatic sweep, but Yankees won't give up. <laughs> I just... I, ESPN blows my mind. Like... They won't give up. What is that, that supposed to mean? Like, it, it means that they hope they won't give up because they won't have any jobs. <laughs> because they won't have anything else to cover. Oh, my God. That's so fun. Oh, <laughs> right. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, what uh, is going on over there at ESPN? It's so strange. Yeah. Do, do people watch ESPN outside of Sports Center? I mean, do, during the day, do you throw on ESPN? Uh, no, I used to have it on twenty four seven, and I would go so far as to say even Sports Center I can barely watch anymore. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's unfortunate uh, that, that I feel like there's always an agenda with ESPN, and it kind of forces me to consider alternative to sports. The Fox One or whatever, whatever's right. on, I, I tend to check them out and see what they're doing. Podcast. For me, it's really been replaced in, almost entirely by podcasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up? Top top three podcast. What do you listen to these days? Um, I'm listening to something called The Moth, which is basically a storytelling podcast. Okay. And they tell uh, stories from all different angles and walks of life. Um. Um, ben Shapiro is daily for me. Mm-hmm. Simmons is still, it's not daily only because he doesn't put anything out daily, but basically I get an alert every time he posts a new, any new content. So I listen to it immediately for the most part. Um, I'm drawing, oh, something. I, so there's a podcast called Lore, L-O-R-E, mm-hmm. that is as it, would kind of sound about folklore, but more kind of from that freaky, almost scary ghost story perspective where this guy breaks down where 
that stuff comes from, the history of it and what it's rooted in. But he does a really good job based on his kind of tone and cadence of telling them with, you know, a bit of a scary edge to it. Nice. Never driving, kind of freaking out, like, oh, my God, a ghost is going to pop out on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like that. But I will tell you, my wife and I now a couple of times have, uh, we have a little fire pit in our backyard, put a fire together, grabbed some cocktails and just sat there, just the two of us with the fire and lore playing in the background. I like it. It's cool. I like it. It's, it's interesting how podcasts have really, they've, they've started to shape the way people consume information. Yeah. I mean, it's on demand. You can do it basically where you, while you're, where you're at, uh, regardless of situation. Um, I mean, I, I find myself even watching less and less YouTube and TV. Facebook Live and TV. I mean, it's just it's just more convenient to consume it over audio. And a lot of them are pretty well produced and there's pretty engaging podcasts. It's nice. It's nice. I know this may sound silly. I feel smarter when I've listened to something via podcast than sitting down and watching a half hour, hour TV show. Yeah. So I still have TV shows that I watch pretty regularly and religiously, uh, mostly with my wife. But outside of those TV shows and specific sports, I'm mostly consuming via podcast today. Hmm. Yeah. And I like it. I feel good about it. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, so uh, we mentioned this, I think, two weeks ago. If you're a sports fan, you need to be listening to Bill Simmons. Like I think by far the best voice of sports uh in the podcast world um definitely if you're if you're into business or you're into stories one that i excuse me uh one that i really really enjoy is a, is a podcast called how i built this by guy Raz, former npr actually still might be on npr but uh he goes through and takes like some of the companies that we all grown to love cliff bars or um uh don't a blank uh, fiji water you know all these random companies that we consume on a daily basis and he goes through and interviews the founder and spends an hour and talks oh, about how how they built the business and so for breakers you know guys that are running breaker businesses it's kind of it's kind of fun kind of building the parallels between building your business and your brand and how some of these big guys built their business and their brand so really good one to listen to um that's really yeah. interesting i hope th- i hope there are a number of breakers listening to that advice because as much as there are a great number of breakers that do a really good job, and I get a sense that they come with a business perspective, you know, you and I both know there are a number that have none of that and really could use some help. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that to be disparaging, and I'm purposely obviously leaving names out, but, you know, and, and it's not as if any of us couldn't use a little bit of, of perspective on how to run anything we're doing better, whether that's our personal finances or a business, you know, or a website. If you were to say, if you were to give advice to a breaker starting out, and again, you haven't been a breaker, so I get it, but what would you say from a customer perspective is the one thing or two things that they should focus on more that most breakers don't? Oh, wow. That's a great question. And I found myself engaged in conversation this weekend with a number of breakers about exactly that type of topic. Mm -hmm. And 
I've changed my mind over the years about my answer to this type of question. But I do think that today, with as much new competition that exists out there, that obviously price matters, but it's not number one. It can't be forgotten and you can't be an outlier, but number one is entertainment value. There, even the breaker that doesn't realize that they're doing it for entertainment value is. Even the break participant that is begging and knows that they've just spent their last few dollars on this spot and have enough money in their pay. If a break conducted by someone that you know is established in the hobby and has been doing a good job for a while and then someone kind of brand new never really did much before and just thought hey that looks easy I'm going to try it minor mistakes just based on a learning curve, not even saying that person has no clue and they're making so many mistakes because they suck. I'm not even going there. I'm just saying the learning curve is such that obviously there are things that the 15 plus year vet is doing. I mean, obviously there are no 15 year vets in breaking, but you know what I mean? Such that the flow of the entertainment value is broken up by this or that. Oh, I, Something's wrong with my mic. Something's wrong with my camera. Uh, I, I'm I'm talking about something completely unrelated because of my daughter just walked in and asked me a question. All those little things that kind of break up the the experience um, are taken for granted by both, I think, a number of breakers, but more importantly, by a great number of participants. And uh, you know, there's something to be said for these guys that really have a routine down. They've established a personality and you know what you're going to get and it's going to be entertaining. And, and by the way, the entertainment is not just about what they're doing. It's also because they've established such a community. The chat is a big part of that experience. You know, you get into yeah. some breaks and there's not a single word said by another person. Other, you might try to start up a conversation in chat. And, and either there's no one there to bounce things off of with you or no one's responding. And there's no I'd sense agree. of community yeah. at all. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Uh, I, I do think the community piece of breaking has kind of become a little bit overrated. Uh, at least I, I think, I think that early on that was a good way of connecting people. And it, I think now that we're a little bit more mature in the way group breakers break, they, a lot of the new breakers are focusing on platforms like Facebook where community pieces are inherently built in right. so that, that you don't, you don't have to force that as much anymore, which is nice. Uh, what I tend to find um, is, and, and again, we've talked about this tons when we break down reviews and all that stuff that people give about breakers. Most breakers, I don't know what it is, but there's this barrier in place that they just can't find a way to be transparent and not just about right. products or breaks or the way they do things, but about themselves. 
I cannot stand going to a breaker's website and them not having an about us page and them not telling a story about who they are like that. It doesn't matter. The products and the prices are all the same, like within a couple dollars. Right. You need to sell me on who you are and why I should be spending my time with you. Um, And all it takes is a one page, three paragraphs, you to relate to me, you to tell your story. And and I'm hooked like that. That's what I just that's the absolute no, no. If I don't see that, I don't break with them. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you and I are both in the sales world professionally, and we know we could be technical experts. We could be the number one technical expert on our given products and not be number one in performance year after year. The guys who are performing are the ones who know how to establish relationships with people because people buy from people they like. They want yep. that connection. And I think in the breaking world, that applies potentially even a bit more so because it's a hobby. It's not your profession. And I would go so far as to say, I, I also agree with your previous statement that there are a number of breakers that don't do that. I think it's possible that they don't realize its importance and they even go so far as to think, oh, these people don't care about me. I'm not interesting. And if you're listening, you are. Something about you is interesting because everybody has something that makes them interesting Mm -hmm. and people want to buy from people they like. So open up. Yep. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'll say this to you and I'll say this to something you and I have talked about. It's something I talked about quite a bit with breakers at the national. Um, and it, and it, and it's something that I think our listeners will be excited to hear. Not that we planned on making some grand announcement, but we are going to have a number of breakers and other, other personalities within the hobby come on as guests to this podcast. And the way I pitch that in talking to a number of these folks is Tyler and I try to be a bit more stream of consciousness and free flow. We talk about the hobby and obviously different things around breaking, but we also talk about other things. And I think as a breaker, that would be good for you. Your audience is going to run any level of, you know, commitment to you from the beginner who doesn't know you yet to the solid vet who's never going to leave you. But your retention is based a lot on what kind of relationships you're establishing with that customer. And we want to give you an opportunity to come in and open up a little bit more to this world of, folks in the hobby and breaking world we're not going to just talk to you about sports cards because also tyler and i want to get to know you better and who you are what are your hobbies outside of sports card are you married you have kids what's your life like who are you and quite honestly i'm really excited to start those kind of conversations same here yeah i think we're kicking it off next week actually with uh with tyler over there at battlefield box breaks i think we're going to have him on uh saturday morning so look forward to kicking off the cycle so that, that'll be good right um, and, and most breakers by the way that i pitched that to not all i will say not all but the vast majority couldn't be more excited they thought yep. oh that's great i i need that opportunity i haven't opened up to my customer base as much as i should and that's a great that's a great thing it's a good idea yeah so i'm excited yeah same here very excited um it, so interesting i was uh, i was cleaning out my basement this weekend doing some stuff around the house and 
uh, you know, I have this, I, like I'll, most of us collectors have this 3,200 count boxes yeah. full of cards down there. You're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I ever throw these away? So <laughs> I told my wife, you know what, I'm going to start cleaning some of these out. I'll, you know, the old stuff that's not worth anything. I'll let the kids pick through it and I'll throw it away. Well, I came across, I came across a two 3,200 count boxes of 2016 Bowman. Uh-uh. What would you find? So I end up pulling out. Um, I end up pulling out 18 Vladimir Guerrero Jr. first cards, chrome and a few paper. Any like, refractors? Know, know, no refractors. Um, but I mean, I mean, those are out of control right now. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody wants that card. So you know, a couple hundred bucks there. Uh, wow. Pulled out a couple new uh, Fernando Tatis, a couple you know 20 Wil- Wilson Contreras first cards. Like I just totally slipped my mind that I had 2016 Bowman down there. I know it's a pretty sought after product, but it got me thinking you and I need to do a better job of kind of informing our audience of a couple players that we're thinking about, or maybe should yeah. be on their radar for them to start prospecting. Um, and so I know I, you've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it this week and we'll try to make this a weekly segment, but uh, we'll give you just a 30 second, one minute pitch on the player and what's happening and maybe a couple cards you can chase. You good with that? I am. Who do you got this week, man? So, you know, I'm not as much of a baseball guy as you are. And the pricing today might not make it might not make a ton of sense, but my guy is Luka Doncic. I think (laughs) this is hilarious. Why? Oh, just a top three pick. Oh, just a top three pick. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. It is just a top three pick. He's really pick number five, isn't he? It was. Is he? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Trey Trey, uh, Young was pick number three. Yeah. Um, If he performs even slightly, you know, well, you're not going to ever see his card prices come down. They're already through the roof. But my point to the listening crowd would be, it's it's still an investment, as hard as that might be to believe. And so even getting some low-end base is going to give you a nice investment opportunity because his follow – the the following that he has in Europe is nuts. He's, the, he, he's basically the number one guy to come out of Europe, and his hobby value is already greater than – so many of those folks that you could name off right now. Um, when hmm. Dirk came over, his values didn't get to the, the uh, five-year bet. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, for the record, he was picked third, and he was traded back down to fifth to trade to, to the Mavericks. So. Uh, we're back. We're back. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened, but all right. So Luka Doncic, you got as your sleeper, pick number three. I, I would traded number five. I would say he's pick number five. Pick number three. Um, traded to five. He was pick three. Sorry, I apologize. Um, like I said, not he's definitely. There's no way you could call a top five pick a sleeper. 
what I'm saying is if you're interested in getting Doncic, it's going he's already expensive and it's not going to come down unless he gets hurt and hurt badly. And I hope that doesn't happen. Obviously I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So as far as talking from an investment perspective, yeah, it's great to talk about those guys that are sleepers and currently inexpensive. Um, But there also is something to be said for those guys that if you wait, you might price yourself out completely. And so if you want something, I suggest getting in early and get in like the hoops, the NBA hoops type of level. Um, because after that, it's going to get to nosebleed pricing. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, this the second, especially in the NBA, when you start getting international buyers involved, it, it reminds me a lot of Otani, right? I mean, yeah. Otani would be nowhere near the glorified pricing he has now if it wasn't for Japan. Agreed. It's going to be the same. So yeah, I hear you. That's, that's good. I like it. I like it. It's going to, man, I just can't wait for the basketball season. It's going to be yeah. so fun to watch some of these guys. Yeah, All right. So my guy, since I was going through 2016 bone when I was evaluating some of these players and I know, I know a lot of the minor leagues cause I pay attention to baseball more so than any other sport, but there's a guy in the Royal system that I think everyone should know about and any of the, the baseball players and, aficionados will probably know him, but his name is Suli Matias. Okay. And he is in single A. He leads all of minor leagues and home runs. Wow. Um, he's, he's at 31, I think right now, 30, maybe 32. Uh, he hit seven, eight the year before seven, eight, the year before that, um, 19 year old kid who is an absolute smasher. Uh, he's getting all, he's got an on base percentage somewhere three twenty ish. Um, but the kid, his his first card is in 2016 Bowman, um, and you're starting to see a little bit of interest building up for him. Uh, so for those that are interested uh, in, in prospecting, definitely keep an eye on Sulu Matias. It's one of those uh, up-and-comers who I think is going to be pretty fun to watch. So the key will be, does he stay in the Royal system? Because that will depress his value a bit, or does he end up getting traded in something, some package deal next year? So Right. So there you go. There's my there's my uh, pick of the week for young player to watch. It's so. good. We got one basketball and one baseball. I would say tough from where we stand today in in kind of the training camp space for football mm-hmm. to give you much. I think we've also had kind of snippets of conversations around the value of football collecting and how mm-hmm. difficult it is um, being that. You know, the lifespan of a running back is so short. Wide receivers are only a little bit longer. So really it comes down to quarterbacks. And so if you are thinking about a particular quarterback and you have an, a sense on, um, you know, their their opportunity moving forward to either start or break through, that's the guy. Do you have anyone in mind that fits that bill? Uh, I mean, obviously when you got a number one pick in Baker Mayfield, I mean, any number one pick is going to inherently carry more value. But he's he's in Cleveland, which worries me. Uh, I, the guy that I think is going to have a lot of interest uh, will be well. It, I mean, I I, lo- I like Josh Rosen. I, I personally think he's going to be he's going to be really good in the NFL. Um, Interesting. Josh Allen's going to die on the vine in, in Buffalo. Um, I would argue the same for Baker Mayfield, despite being a number one pick. He's in Cleveland. Yeah, maybe you may be right. 
But the guy, the, the guy I'm watching is, is Lamar Jackson from a quarterback perspective. The second he explodes in Baltimore, he's just so elusive. He's gonna. I think we're gonna see. And when you say explodes, you mean sacked by a Pittsburgh linebacker and his body literally explodes. <laughs> That's what you mean, right? No linebacker from Pittsburgh is gonna be able to catch Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Flacco. Okay, I get it, but man, <laughs> uh, nice. But man, I tell you. I'm really interested to see what happens to Saquon Barkley. The Giants have been dying for someone since Odell Beckham the last few years to take over and and embrace the hobby love. And Saquon Barkley is a stud. Yeah, he is. I would say he fits that that, that same category as a Doncic that we were just discussing. You know, if you want any of these guys and you're not one of these folks that spends – you know, a certain level of money on cards, you, you want to get in early and get some just base rookies and get them in top loaders and throw them in your personal, your PC bin. Cause uh, you yeah. know, once you start to get the mid range and higher level sets, you're going to be priced out. Yeah. So with football, I'm curious what you think about this. What, when do you start really paying attention to football cards? I mean, here we are, what week two of, of training camp. What, when do you care? Yeah, so it's it, – I know I'm such a homer, and, and it comes through the podcast almost every week, if not every single week. I, I care depending entirely on the rookies of the Steelers, what what kind of draft the Steelers had. Happens to be that this year's draft is it's very interesting. So we were just talking about quarterbacks, <clears throat> and I would argue – that based on franchise and opportunity and even his current pricing, Mason Rudolph might be the best quarterback to go after. He's less expensive than any of the other quarterbacks we mentioned, Baker Mayfield, Allen, Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. You can, By the way, he's not that affordable, but he's less expensive than all of those. Big Ben is... Not young. He's got maybe two years, at most three years left in his career. And I don't think he's going to make three years personally because he just puts him, his body at too much risk. Um, and I got to stop you. Sorry. I have to stop you. Mason Rudolph is going to be in every product. Thank God. He's going he's gonna to have a thousand autos out there. There's I mean, no way he'll be valuable. So is every other quarterback. No way. Mason, Mason Rudolph's going to have four times as many autographs as Baker Mayfield. How do you figure? Because I mean, he's a third-round draft pick who's going gonna, gonna to be one of the Philorados. I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but for his card to be as valuable, it's, he's going to have to pull off So when we have these conversations, part of that is about long-term value, right? Actually, I think a lot of it is about – Buy something today and in a year to three to five from now, what are you holding? Fair. You can buy a Baker Mayfield auto for twice the price of a Mason Rudolph and flip it. If you hold on to it, you're going to have some wallpaper. <laughs> Whereas you can buy a Mason Rudolph autograph today or potentially a whole bunch if you're right, which I hope you are right. I hope he's everywhere. Because there's going to be a number of if he, if if his market is flooded, 
it's going to give a guy like me an opportunity to soak up as much as I can. And if I'm right, and if the Pittsburgh sports media is right, which is he's most he, out of the quarterbacks that, have, that the Steelers have drafted in the last five years, which and there there have been a number of them, he has the absolute. He's already showing the most promise in training camp, and he has the absolute best chance to be Ben's replacement. You're telling me that the three to five year prospect of the starting Steelers quarterback isn't something you would want in your collection? Uh, well, I thought the same of Landry Jones. And I actually started collecting Landry Jones. That's why you're bitter. <laughs> That's why you're bitter. I get I, I'm it a realist. Now. I'm a realist. You you live and breathe the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not- I watch Mason Rudolph play over and over again here in Kansas City. Look, I, I, hope, I hope he's successful. But well, there, there are man. those guys, and he's being discussed as one of those guys whose game is more suited for the pros than his college and, game. Yeah, and you might be right. You may be I, right, for look, sure. I'm not an expert at football. And I, I, I think it's funny to hear discussions about where people are talking from this perspective as the hobby and invest, investing, specifically as it pertains to football where they express such a level of conviction because it is such a crapshoot. And I don't care who you are. If you're a football card collector and you go after these young guys year after year, you've made so far many more mistakes than you have wins, right? It's just a fact. Yep. Agreed. The, the thing I do like, to your point, the thing I do like about the NFL and the rookies there is that you don't have to wait for an NFL rookie to roll up through four different systems, farm systems. All it takes is one unfortunate injury to a player in front of him, and he's in. It's game time. Right. So that is the fun part about the NFL. Uh, Roethlisberger will get hurt, and Mason Rudolph will play. <laughs> Right. And that'll be, and that that'll immediately influence and impact the value of his cards. And so, no to your point, you're right. <clears throat> Spending five dollars on a Mason Rudolph auto that will jump to twenty five if he has two good games. You're not going to find a five hundred percent investment on a Baker Mayfield card. He does not. Right. So, and by yeah, the way, fair. I wish you were even remotely close to his pricing. Check it out, <laughs> because I would be happy if I could spend twenty five today his pricing is currently higher than i'm willing to pay so i'm hoping to hit him in breaks but otherwise you know i I, what i really can't wait for is the beginning of the season and he doesn't start and people have to focus on the team and the performance of the team and maybe say oh well where's rudolph And, and then even potentially forget about him and that's when i'm gonna have an opportunity to really start buying him at a more appropriate price. And that goes for a lot of the rookies. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Steelers too are, you guys are pretty avid collectors. I remember when Juju last year went off. I mean, it was like oh, it went Pittsburgh, nuts. Pittsburgh, you guys totally revolved around collecting Juju cars. You couldn't even get into breaks for the Steelers because of that. And it was, it was yep. kind of fun. There's a lot of mania around Juju. Pittsburgh sports. So yeah, it, yeah, I get it. You're, you're, by the way, the word on the street is Juju came into camp having packed on 20 pounds of muscle. 
I don't know if I nice. believe that. 20 pounds of muscle is not an easy thing to pack on, especially if you're already an elite athlete. Oh, exactly. Now it took me about four months to do it this summer. <laughs> this, that's, it's, it's not, it is not easy. It is not easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's uh, on 10 though? That's a good thing. So it's oh, totally. exaggerating. And he came into camp in that great a shape with ha- having gotten bigger and stronger. He's going to, the Steelers oh, totally. offense should be, and we say, we've said this preseason so many times, but Antonio Brown's getting double teamed every time. And then whoever the team, the opposing team's defensive, you know, bet, second best cornerback is taking Juju. And we've got two or three guys that can fill that slot role pretty darn well that should have the entire middle of the field to play with. It's going to be fun. Not it's going to be mention. fun hearing you, hearing you talk about it every week. It's going to be great for all of us. <laughs> those those <laughs> Monday mornings when I'm depressed are not going to be fun on the podcast. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know what you got going on this week. I don't know if there's anything entertaining uh, in your world. But uh, we, my wife and I, we have kind of a guilty pleasure show we watch. We, uh, Suits, if anyone's watches that show never on the heard USA Network. Really? That's an, okay. Yeah. So Su- Suits is uh, one of those legal dramas that is, I think it's their eighth season and it's uh, it's back on uh, this third, fourth episode of season eight, I think. Uh, oh, so uh, Megan Markle was on Suits. Oh. She obviously, yeah, Royal Wedding. Yeah. So that's uh, there's the connection there. But that's we're, we're big into Suits this week. We're back in. That's our nice. That's our entertainment. But uh, what about you? Anything crazy? I'm almost embarrassed to share with you what my what my guilty pleasures as far as television are concerned. Um, my wife and I got into bad reality TV early on and we've never let go of it. Oh, boy. So we watched Big Brother all summer. We love Survivor still. That's um, on? It's still on? Like 20 seasons. It's still going. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? No. Um, but like I said before, we watch much less TV than we used to. We are in knee deep in discussions about getting rid of cable and relying entirely on Netflix and potentially maybe trying Hulu in addition to Netflix. Yep. Um, the tough thing about that is obviously the local news and sports. So I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do, but uh, yeah, the discussion has, has started. I know a lot of people who've untethered, if you will. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. It's, I would say the majority of people I know, I think have untethered to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. You say it's a significant savings. It is. It's, it's freeing as well. That's the, that's the great part about it. It's freeing right. when you cut ties with that. You, right. you realize there's other ways to consume. Like you said, you start podcasting more and you, you start using your brain a little bit more as you're consuming information. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a very good thing. Yeah. So what uh, I will tell you, yeah. there's one mm-hmm. other little tidbit for me that I, I just can't, I can't contain my energy about is uh, my 12 year old finally comes home from a long trip at camp. No kidding. Yeah, so he's been away for seven weeks. He came home for 48 hours between sessions. But on Tuesday, he's home for good. And we are so excited. And so Tuesday, so one more sleep is the way we we tell our other son, who's really missing his older brother. One more sleep and he's home. 
<laughs> and then this weekend we're taking the kids to Ann Arbor where we used to live um, cool. for my wife's 40th birthday. Uh, hey. So we are celebrating my wife's big 4-0 this weekend with a road trip to Ann Arbor to see some friends there. That sounds like a blast. So that's pretty exciting. No kidding. Right on. Well, <clears throat> what are you working on this week for Breaker Culture? And I'll, I'll finish and tell you what I'm working on. So I've got to finish up my article for The National. Um, and I'm debating as to whether or not it's going to read as one long travelogue or possibly break it up into three separate articles for day one, day two, and, uh, and a bit of a summary. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Okay, nice. Well, you make sure you know what fountain pen you use <laughs> to write, to, to pin the article. Uh, I will. <laughs> uh, so two things I'm working on, uh, finishing up updates to all the, the pricing ladders. So I know we, that gets a lot of interest, uh, so I need to update the NBA. I'm going to start the NFL one so folks know kind of what's happening with NFL, uh, which, quick question, side note, what, what would you consider as the premier rookie card in NFL? Would you go prism? Tops Chrome, you mean? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I hope that comes back. Uh, yeah. Prism. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would wish that silver prisms in football had even a tenth of the value that they do in basketball. That's so true, man. It's funny. I was digging through pricing a couple weeks ago thinking, man, prism silver. The reflection is in the NFL market, it is nothing. Nope. Like nothing. Right. Crazy. It's depressing uh, sometimes, but yeah. It is. It is. Uh, so yeah, finishing up pricing ladders, and then I am putting together uh, updates to the way you consume checklists. Uh, and I have a pretty cool idea for folks, and I can't wait to reveal it. Interesting. So. Yeah. Yeah. should be good. I like but that. Uh, I, yeah. had, I actually had a number of people at the National ask me, are you guys considering – being more comprehensive about putting out checklists so something to think about i don't know what your idea is but i'm excited to hear yeah well so the the idea is the group break checklist does a great job already uh what can we do that's a little bit different and add some more value to maybe even support what they do uh so we're i'm thinking through it it's it should be done here in the next week or so but uh and i'll probably give you a sneak peek shani this week nice um, and then I, I will just mention this because we had some conversations about this uh, at the national. Or you did. Uh, we are we're kind of revamping the way user uh, breaker rankings are set up in the site. So no longer does our score matter when it comes to uh, influencing ratings from for breakers. It's exclusively based on what the users say, and we're putting less emphasis on the actual ranking and more emphasis on the actual comments. So. Um, we want to make sure everyone has a fair opportunity to explain themselves and create comments and not feel like one or two rankings or reviews are impacting their business, which shouldn't be the case. But so we're thinking through that. We're listening to the breakers. Yeah. Not, not only do I agree, but just about everyone I spoke to and shared that with thought it was not only a good idea, but very necessary. So cool. I think you'll, yeah, you'll have some happy folks out there. Love it. Well, man, have a good week. You we'll too. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great one. See ya. Bye. -bye. 
Well, thank you again for listening to Breaker Culture Weekly. Uh, if you've hung around this long, you've spent an hour plus with us, and we really, really appreciate that. Uh, as always, give us your feedback, share your thoughts, jump on the forum, participate in some of the conversation, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week.